Welcome to Southern Sisters Radio, the show for Southern women and the men who adore them. Join us as we celebrate life from a Southern point of view. Here's your host, author, founder of Southern Sisters Home and true Southern sister, Jenny McCormick Earhart. Hey there, and welcome to the Southern Sisters Radio program. We're back. We survived Snowpocalypse 2017. Uh. Snowpocalypse? Was it really no. close to that? That's a dramatic overstatement. Yeah. Even up where we are, it wasn't that bad. It we wasn't all that bad. Ice and stuff, but mm-hmm. other places didn't mm-hmm. even get anything. Well, folks, I don't know if you got some snow here in the South, but you know, we um, most of us survived it, I think, just fine. Yeah. As a rule, we don't typically handle it particularly well. <laughs> Generally not. No. And I'm, I'm going to show, I'm showing Nick right now the uh, abrasion Yikes. on my arm. It's a yes, gnarly mark. I have a terrible abrasion running down the whole side, back side of my arm. Um, yes. Now here, and I will tell you what happened and I will explain why it happened. I suffer from what a lot of Southerners suffer from, particularly Southern women. And it's not a bad thing, right? It, but it can be. Um, and I call it overconfidence. <laughs> So basically what this means is me standing outside my house, getting ready to go down my porch steps, right? Looking at all the ice and the snow all over the steps and thinking, eh, it's not that bad. I got this. I got this, right? So um, one next door neighbor was in Colorado over the last week and Uh could not get home uh, because of the the shutdown and the cancellation of so many flights. Mm -hmm. Um, She could not return home with her family. And so she called me and she said, you know, there are some packages on my front porch that have been delivered. Would you mind taking them and just putting them aside for me? And being the good neighbor that I am. Oh, absolutely. I'm happy to do that. Why not? Okay, th- that's where it first went awry. Because <laughs> it was about 8 o'clock at night. It was dark. And I know oh. this is a, this is embarrassing to say, but it was one of those nights where I had gotten up at 5 that morning. Mm. I got up at 5 in the morning and had to get up at 5 the next morning. So I was already pretty much ready for bed. Maybe about 8.30. Oh, okay? yeah. So I was in my fluffy pink robe. <laughs> and I was in my funky the little bunny slippers. bunny slippers. Well, they don't have bunnies on them, but they're, they're big and obnoxious. <laughs> twice, twice as big as my feet. Perfect. And I thought to myself, hmm, okay, so I need to go get those. I didn't want to admit to her that I was already in my robe <laughs> and ready for bed at 8.30. Um, so I thought, I'm just going to dash over there to her front porch and grab the packages and dash right back. Yeah. Right? Okay, so I have to kind of go through the corner of another neighbor's yard to do that, but it was very, it's just a straight shot, right? Yeah. I figure I'll dash over and dash back. Um, forgetting that one of my neighbors has a motion sensor on their spotlight uh, outside. <laughs> oh, no. So let's just say, if, if they had been looking out the window at that particular moment, they would have seen a woman, middle-aged woman, in a fluffy pink robe and a big obnoxious, obnoxious slippers running across a snow-covered lawn, <laughs> stealing, for all he knew, for all he knew, I was stealing... <laughs> The neighbors' packages off their front porch. <laughs> oh man, that's wonderful. Yeah. That's, that's got to be that thought. Looking at that's not a very conspicuous outfit to no, wear. Trying to no. do it. Okay. Well, and the fun didn't end there. When they finally did get home two days later, um, I had said packages right at yeah. my house, and I I thought I will take them over to her and and return them to her because I wanted to be a good neighbor. And mm-hmm. I step outside with the packages in my arms, and I look across and I see their daughter in the yard. In the little girl, she's so adorable in her little big parka and she's <laughs> playing in the snow and I, I see her and I, I call out to her. I say, hey, Sophia. I said, I've got your packages for your mom. And I go stepping down the steps uh, and oh. oh yeah, it was not pretty. Ooh. My feet went right out from under me. Oh. Did oh. you know that ice was slippery? Yeah, Did you know? Bit. Oh goodness, no. <laughs> and the fun didn't end there. I landed on my back on the stairs and slid all the oh, way down the stairs no. on my back. 
Yes. Oh, no. I, I, I ended up in a crumpled heap at the bottom of the stairs. And the worst part, right after you had just called attention to yourself. Yes, I had. Oh, no. So she was standing there looking at me. She saw the entire thing. I landed in a not-so-ladylike position there at the, at the bottom of the stairs. And so I just kind of sat, sat up and, you know, Southern women, this is what we have to do. When things like this happen, right, you just brush yourself off. Pretend like nothing happened and just keep going. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I got over to her. I said, I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, I had to say something. So I said, did you see that? <laughs> she goes, yes. Are you okay, Mrs. Earhart? <laughs> I said, I'm fine. Just take I'm these okay. packages to your mother. <laughs> Go back inside and get some back tea. Don't tell her about arms. what you saw. <laughs> <laughs> it was scary. But anyway, so that was my little snow apocalypse. Oh, yeah. My little adventure for the week. But it, boy, um, oh it's been crazy. It has been. It's definitely been interesting around. And, you know, it's nice to have some fun, let the kids play in the snow, especially mm-hmm. if they grow up around here. We don't get to see it a lot. No. Uh, but, you know, let them play in it the night that it, let them stay up a little late and enjoy right. it when it first came down because, as per usual, wake up the next day and it's all turned mostly mm-hmm. into ice. Well, so. yeah, I have to say, though, the perfect sort of snow adventure here in the South, folks, and I think you would agree with me, especially if you are the parent of younger children like Nick is, mm-hmm. um, the perfect scenario would be lots of nice, fresh Fluffy snow, oh, not yeah. not the frozen hard sleep variety. No. And for this to occur on a Sunday, let's say afternoon, evening, so that school is canceled the next day. That's what the kids want. Well, that's what the kids want. That's what the kids want. It timed out pretty well for us, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. So I, I, if I was their age, that's probably what I would want. Oh, and then, yeah. of course, we all know this, guys. It's just one big fat excuse to eat, right? Oh, yeah. Why oh, is my that? goodness, yes. And of course, you've got to have like like with last week your yeah. your soups. Oh, mm. perfect! I did go home and make perfect. that tomato basil soup. That was amazing. Oh yes. Um, and you know what else? This is actually also casserole weather. I oh, like to refer it, to is. it as. It is. We're going to be talking about that in the second segment today. It is casserole weather, which is you know there there are certain folks who sort of give casserole a bad rap. And yeah. I'm, I'm here to redeem it today. Good. Yes. I'm glad. I love it, casserole. It a well done. Casserole. A well-done casserole, right. And for those of you that have sort of vilified the concept of condensed soup, right, <laughs> as part of your casserole mm-hmm. recipes, and, and I will tell you, years ago, I, I, I kind of had a falling out with, with condensed soup. I did. Yeah. But I have uh, I've come to, you know, in my, my old age, <laughs> I have Goodness. come to embrace it once again. And quite frankly, it is sort of the bedrock of many Southern casserole recipes. Oh, yes. All right, so let's not turn our nose up at them because they play an important role in a lot of the Southern uh, casseroles, and we're going to talk about those today. I'm about to say, with all the holidays and everything that just came by, I can't mm-hmm. think of a good spread for a holiday feast with mm-hmm. the family without one or two casseroles yeah. tossed into the at mix, At least right? a green bean casserole. Oh, or, yeah. Have you ever had a poppy seed casserole? Ooh, or po- no. Sorry, poppy seed chicken. Mm, it's a casserole. That sounds yeah. good. We made that at my house this week. It's just good, old-fashioned, cheesy, creamy Goodness is what mm, it is. I'm yeah. sold already. Yeah, it's what and I had. I had it left over the next day. It was even better. So wow. we're going to talk about some of those things in the second segment today. Um, and then we're going to maybe I, I was going to show Nick here. And for those of you, um, I'm showing Nick my cell phone right now. Yes. Because I think it's important for Southern women and men to be able to laugh at themselves. Uh, we right? have to. <laughs> none, none of us none of us are perfect. And uh, my, my cell phone had an adventure this week. I was oh, packing no. the car and laid my cell phone mistakenly. On top of the car. Mm. Have you ever done that? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, of course. You're, you're packing up the car. Your hands are full. You need to find a place to set something down quickly, and you lay something on top of the car. Yeah. I've, I've done it with a um, like a drink. 
Oh, yeah. You know, That's, or a yeah. cup of coffee, something like and that. that. coffee comes down this, your windshield. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The difference between a cell phone and a cup of coffee, cup of coffee you can get for about a dollar. My cell phone, Ooh, a good bit more. Goodness. Right? So I uh, I guess apparently I had left it on top of the, of the car. I drove off. Drove off. Drove Uh-oh. a couple of miles from my home and realized I didn't have my cell phone. Right? Uh-huh. Had to return home and find my iPad and utilize my Find My iPhone app. Always good to have Isn't that. Isn't that wonderful? And I'm looking at it and I'm thinking... Where is this thing? Because yeah. it tells you generally, but not necessarily exactly mm-hmm. where. Yeah. And so I, tur- I, I, I turn on the app and I'm like, you know, where is this phone? And I, it's got to be probably here in the house somewhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it shows the little flashing, you know, dot there. Yeah. My phone is laying on the side of the road two, oh, two miles from my house. Goodness. Right. According to the according to the Find My iPhone app, it was laying on the side of the road. And oh. of course, then it makes sense. To me. I'm like, oh, my my goodness, that's oh, what I did, right? Left it on top of the car. So I get my, my, my trusty husband, Earl, <laughs> my right-hand man, <laughs> my white knight, <laughs> as he likes to refer to himself. White knight. I said, sweetie, you, sweetie, you got to come with me. I've, I've, my phone is on the side of the road somewhere, mm. and I need it. And so off we went with the my Find My iPhone app, and we drove up there and parked on the side of the road and start walking along the side of the road with the iPad, yeah. and we see the beep, and we send a signal. There's a little, little part of it that you can press a button, and it mm. will cause your cell phone to send a, si- a loud signal. Oh, yes. Yeah, so you so can you, hear it. So you can yeah. hear it and you can find it. So we do that and we can hear it. But, oh. it's like, but it's like in the distance, so we can't quite find it. And we're looking everywhere. We're, we're you know, just like going through the brush oh, and, the, yeah. and the bushes and the weeds and looking. And all of a sudden, Earl stands up and he looks at the road and he says, Jenny, your cell phone is laying in the middle of the road. Oh, In no. the middle of the road. And as we stood there, I swear to goodness, Nick, as we stood there, four cars ran over my cell phone. Oh, and you watched it. I watched it. You watched it perish. It was agonizing. Oh, it, my goodness. It didn't perish. It's not, it's not, no, it, it's in rough shape. It's, it's in rough shape, but it still works. <laughs> oh, so my, my pride, my pride was hurt, but my phone is still okay. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Life in the South, guys. We are going to have a great show for you today, and we'll be back in a first, uh, just a few minutes here with our casserole segment. Stay tuned. Turn off the telly, Nelly. Come to the table, Mabel. Now sit up straight, Kate. It's time to eat, Pete. Have a banana, Hannah. Try the salami, Tommy. Get with the gravy, Davy. Everybody eats when they come to my house. Welcome back to the Southern Sisters radio program. Ah, the food segment. Mm -hmm. Indeed. It's time to talk comfort food. So you need maybe we need to start putting this one at the end Mm. so that as soon as we get done, we can eat. I know, right? I always get so hungry. (laughs) I am so hungry when I leave the the studio every week. I am starving. I usually have to stop for something on the way home. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, it's not like me to skip a meal. (laughs) (laughs) Me either. Uh -uh. (laughs) I don't do that. Southern Southern women know how to eat, and uh, and, and I'm one of those women. Not ashamed of it. But, you know, with this cold, chilly weather, folks, you're probably feeling it, too, just mm-hmm. like I am. You want some nice, hearty, kind of stick-to-your-ribs oh. southern food? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking a lot lately, been, been pontificating, as I often do about food. I've been thinking about casseroles. Oh, yes. Right? And I've been thinking about what they mean to us in the South and how some people view them and uh, and how I have come to, to view them sort of in my, you know, mature age. Okay. I'm a lot less snobby about them than I used to be. 
Because, you oh, know, yeah. I mean, well, I grew up on casseroles, and then there comes this time period in your 20s maybe where you're thinking, I can do it better than that. I, you know, yeah. And then you sort of, um, yeah, you sort of start to come back to your roots. Realizing that just because it tastes good and yeah. fills your belly is good enough for I you. I know. <laughs> it is so, so very true. And that is exactly what a good southern casserole will do mm-hmm. for you. Right? The way we do it here in the south. Casseroles are basically a staple on any southern table. Oh, absolutely. S- certainly at any southern gathering. You know, there's not a uh, a revival or a homecoming dinner or, um, quite frankly, uh, certainly not a Sunday dinner or a Christmas holiday dinner. Even a football game. Even football games. Mm-hmm. Boy, you can just, if it's got cheese and meat and breadcrumbs and maybe, maybe some vegetables, maybe not. Sold. You just, just, just you stir it all up and put it in a 9 by 11 and you got yourself a casserole. Uh-huh. Yes. And I've got some good ones for you guys today. You know, I was feeling a little nostalgic when we had this cold weather and I whipped myself up a poppy seed chicken casserole, which mm. of course is probably... Probably might be one of the most quintessentially Southern casseroles. <laughs> uh-huh. Now, you folks may may have a difference of opinion on that. We've all got our favorites, but um, it's nothing but good chopped chicken. And, and uh, now I put a little cheese in mine, mm. basically because, you know. It, everything's better with cheese. A little bit of cheese just makes it. A little it? cheese. Mm-hmm. And I and you can always do a shortcut. You can Sometimes I will poach my chicken, pull the meat off the bones, mm-hmm. do it that way. You can do chicken breasts. Um, we talked last week about one of my favorite shortcuts, which is just purchasing a rotisserie chicken and deboning it yourself Very at home. That's true. a real time saver for you folks with, you know, little children and busy schedules. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did, yeah, I did the poppy seed chicken casserole. It was so good. Oh, you, know, you crush those Ritz crackle, crackers up oh. into crumbs and you stir a little melted butter in there and that's your crumbly topping that goes over the top <gasps> so it's sour cream cream of chicken soup you know chopped chicken well, we haven't even Hello. gotten into the rest of the good stuff and oh i'm already so hungry gracious. i know i gotta i gotta get moving on today's on today's recipes but we got some great ones folks if you're feeling it and you want some comfort food i have got three of my favorite casseroles for you today we're going to talk about those starting off with uh this is a fun one my kids love this how about a king ranch chicken casserole mm. okay now i bet that after one taste of this rich creamy king ranch casserole recipe you'll be hooked just like i am it also travels well Right. So if you're yeah. heading off into the uh, cold to take a, a covered dish to someone. <laughs> right. You got someone who's uh, just had a baby or yes. right. you want to take a take a casserole. This would be a great one. Let's start out with an easy preparation. You're going to saute one large chopped onion and one large chopped bell pepper in two tablespoons of hot oil in a large skillet over medium high heat. About five minutes till it's nice and tender. You're going to stir in two cups of chopped chicken. Got it. And then you're going to follow that up with one. We, we got a lot of uh, condensed soup in this recipe. Hey. We really do. You want one can of cream of chicken soup, right? We're not diluting anything, guys. This okay. is straight out of the can. And one can of cream of mushroom soup. Mm. Okay, so one can of cream of chicken, one can of cream of mushroom. And then you need a one uh, 10-ounce can of diced tomato and green chilies. Mm-hmm. These are wonderful. And one teaspoon of chili powder. A fourth of a teaspoon of salt, a fourth of a teaspoon of garlic powder, and a fourth of a teaspoon of pepper. Mm. So a fourth, a fourth, a fourth, yes. right, of those things. All of those things are going into the skillet, right? Stir it all together, right? And then you're going to remove it from the heat. Now, you're going to take about 12 corn tortillas, right? Okay. 12 corn tortillas. You're going to tear them into one-inch pieces, and you're going to layer one-third of the tortilla pieces in the bottom of a lightly greased 9 by 13 baking dish, hmm. okay? Probably the most the most used baking dish I have Absolutely. at my house is the 9 yeah. by 13. You're going to then top that with one-third of your chicken mis- mixture and two-thirds of a cup of shredded cheddar cheese, mm. okay? Then you are going to repeat that process 
two more times. Oh, got my it? goodness. So you're going to have three layers, okay? So you're going to end with that layer. That last layer will be that final two-thirds cup of shredded, shredded cheddar cheese. You're going to bake it for 350 for 30 to 35 minutes. Or as, as the still magnolias like to say, till it's golden bubbly. Yes, gold mm. and bubbly. And the house is smelling wonderful, oh, you know. This is one of my favorite phenomenal. recipes. Yeah, this is a crowd pleaser. The kids will love it. Um, you can serve it just as is. You can sprinkle it with a little bit of, um, you know, some chopped fresh cilantro on oh, top. It'd yeah. be nice. Absolutely. Um, you know, a, a little dollop of sour cream would be perfectly fine. Ooh. I was you know. say maybe like a hint of lime Ooh, might do well squeeze. on that. Yeah. Bringing out the corona in you today, yeah. aren't we? Yeah. That a sounds, little a, little, a little squeeze of fresh lime would be mm-hmm. wonderful. I'm proud of you there, Nick. I'm in quite the food lover. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I just love to eat it. That's I know, sure. me too. Me too. It's all about the eating. So there you guys go, go guys. That's our Ooh. first warm Southern Comfort casserole. How about next, a Cajun shrimp casserole? Mm-hmm. This one is wonderful. Now, this hearty seafood casserole is filled with shrimp, cheese and rice, and it gets its Cajun flair from the addition of a little okra, some bell peppers, and cayenne pepper, all right? Now, it's a great, great choice for just a special occasion meal, right? That if you're not a fan, huge fan of okra, you can leave it out. I, I happen to like <laughs> okra. I'm fine you gotta with have it. okra. Yeah, right? Come on. Mm. So what you're going to do here is you are going to peel two pounds of large, fresh shrimp. De-vein them if you'd like to. Then uh, you're going to melt one-fourth cup of butter in a large skillet over medium heat. You're going to add one medium chopped onion, and then you're going to add a half a cup of each of these things. Chopped red bell pepper, chopped yellow bell pepper, and chopped green, right? Mm. You're going to saute for seven minutes or till it's tender, and then you're going to add four cloves of minced garlic and saute for about a minute. Stir in two cups of sliced okra, Mm -hmm. one tablespoon of lemon juice, and about two teaspoons of salt to saute for five minutes. Here goes your shrimp. Add that in and cook for three minutes or until the shrimp is turned pink. Okay? Then you're going to stir in one can of cream of shrimp soup. Mm-hmm. You'll find that on the on the shelf. Yes, A lot of people will. don't know about oh, yeah. that, but it, oh, it's yeah. there. And then the next things you're going to put into the pan are going to be one half cup of dry white wine, a tablespoon of soy sauce, a half a teaspoon of cayenne pepper, and three cups of long grain rice, Mm. right? Stir this all together until blended. This is like a skillet casserole, right? You're getting it all stirred together in your skillet. You're then going to pour everything into a lightly greased uh, 9 by 11 or 9 by 13. I would actually go with the bigger one, the Mm. 9 by 13 inch baking dish. Sprinkle it evenly all over with about a fourth of a cup of Parmesan or a half. Or a full cup. I say. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you can be as liberal as you want to with that oh, Parmesan yeah. cheese. Bake it at 350 for about 20 minutes or until the casserole is bubbly and the cheese is lightly browned. Mm-hmm. Oh, hello, beautiful. Oh, my goodness. Cajun shrimp casserole. That sounds great. I need to rip that up tonight. That sounds so delicious. And it gives you that little bit of the the the. The pop that right? yeah with that Cajun that seasoning. part of the oh, south yeah. that's our that's our Cajun Southern neighbors right oh, we, we can will gladly embrace we them. can thank them for that <laughs> and I think we have time for one more casserole oh, yeah. this is one of my favorites and it's a classic English casserole okay the the shepherd's pie this is mm. our Southern sisters version guys for our Southern sisters shepherd's pie you're gonna boil two pounds of potatoes in salted water until they're tender about twelve minutes. Drain them and put them into a bowl. You want to combine two tablespoons of sour cream, one egg yolk, and a half a cup of cream. Add the cream mixture to the potatoes and mash those potatoes until they're almost smooth. 
They'll probably never be perfectly smooth. Oh, no. You might have a few little lumps. We won't judge, That's right? Okay. While the potatoes boil, you want to preheat a large skillet over medium heat. Add one tablespoon of oil to the hot pan, and you're going to brown two pounds of beef or lamb, depending on your preference. Season the meat with a little salt and pepper. Be sure it's crumbled nice and rice away. You don't want it in, in, until it's no longer pink. You got that? You're going to add one peeled chopped carrot and one chopped onion to the meat. Mm-hmm. You're going to cook those veggies with the meat for about five minutes, stirring frequently. Now, in a second smaller skillet over medium heat, you're going to cook two tablespoons butter and two tablespoons of flour together mm-hmm. for two equal parts of fat and flour to make your roux. Cook it for about two minutes. You're going to whisk in one cup of beef broth. Right? And one tablespoon of Worcestershire sauce to give it a nice little kick. Oh, yeah. You're going to stir that and thicken that gravy for about a minute and then add the gravy to the meat and vegetables. Mm. Stir in a half a cup of frozen peas and you're almost ready to go. Preheat the broiler to high. Fill a rectangular casserole dish with the mixture and spoon those potatoes evenly all over the meat. Sprinkle it with about a teaspoon of paprika. And then you're going to put that under the broil, broiler and broil it six to eight inches from the heat until the potatoes are lightly and evenly browned. Mm. Right? Mm-mm. This is a good old-fashioned shepherd's pot. That this sounds is, so oh, good. This is warm comfort in a casserole dish, guys. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yes. I'd love for y'all to make this and tell me how it turns out. <laughs> We'd love to hear from you. Email us at radio at southernsistershome.com, and we'll be right back. Tommy. Dora. Mandrake. And welcome back to the Southern Sisters Radio Program. Mellowing out to some jazz. That's a good jam. This is Herbie Hancock. That's great. Yeah. Cantaloupe Island. Perfect. See, I remember Herbie Hancock from the 80s when he came out with a couple of really funky sort of weird things. People don't necessarily know that he has a, well... People, some jazzy people. Background. Yes, a lot of yeah. That's, that's that is that's that's true. True, Herbie Hancock is the jazz side of him. That's Love awesome. that. You can do you some know, musical research on that. Yeah, right. That's, that's interesting. Awesome. Learn something new. Yes, every every day. week, right? <laughs> Our eclectic collection of music. Right. You know, because we've been thinking a lot lately about Southern food. I enjoy reading a. Um, it's a website called The Bitter Southerner. They they do a lot of <laughs> bitter because they feel like sometimes we get, I guess, a bad rap in other parts of the country. I would agree with that. You know, so they uh, I love their stories. I love their um, their articles. I read a lot of them. And they, they were doing an, they did an article recently on some of the most what they call essential Southern foods. Mm. Right. Essential Southern foods. Yes. And these these types of lists always pique my interest because, um, you know, it sometimes it's a matter of opinion. Very true. Right. Very true. One one man's, you know, <laughs> pot of greens is another man's trash. That is. You know, you don't know what. Sad, but yes, uh, some people have that. Opinion. But I will tell you what uh, I thought their their take on it was interesting. Um, their in their opinion, authentic Southern cooking uh, is as diverse and multicultural as the regions in the South and the families who live there, which is true. Now, Southern cooks have always creatively drawn upon the mix of cultures that compose the South, starting with the Native Americans, Europeans, and Africans. 
And, you know, sure, Southerners uh, tend to like what grandma made, but those grandmas didn't come from the same places. So mm-hmm. they didn't cook the same ways necessarily, even when presented with the same ingredients. Yeah. Right. Very true. So if what we see uh, as Southern depends on where we stand, then what we eat as Southern depends on who stirs the pot. Ah, Does that make sense? Yeah. Right? Now, we must strive to understand, acknowledge, and respect all contributions and culinary cornerstones of what came collectively to be known as Southern cuisine, past and future, more fully and accurately. We really must do this. So mm-hmm. the original Southern cooks, folks, were the Native Americans who hunted, gathered, and cultivated our indigenous food. Everything else was added because someone couldn't imagine life without it and found a way to cook it. Or something as similar uh, as they could muster and scrounge. Uh, Now, foodways uh, arrived in the South with each wave of newcomers, whether they came of their own volition or through the most punishing of circumstances. Right Now, people tried to bring a little of what they had, what they knew, and what they had anticipated they would need in the most unknown and foreign of places. One of the surest and most soothing ways to get our bearings in a new place is to cook and eat something we recognize and find familiar Something that tastes of home. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Now, we can't go home to eat, but we can eat to go home. That is true. You're right. You can't yes. always get home, right? I have a very good friend who now has a job, and everywhere, everywhere it makes him travel a lot. Really? And everywhere he goes, he hunts for some grits. Does he? Something about grits reminds him of home wow. here in the South. So. He's a good Southern boy, though. Oh, yeah. He is. And he gets mad. He'll text me. Yeah. you believe none of these places have grits? I'm like, dude. Uh, <laughs> You're north you know of the Mason Dixon. Or, or if they do, it's not what you think of. As, <laughs> exactly. You know, for, like, those, like oatmeal. <laughs> for those of our northern friends that think that something white and runny out of a paper package is grits, that's just not <laughs> That's not the case, right? Ain't even close. But you know, it's interesting <laughs> to find out what the bitter southerner viewed as sort of our, yeah. our essentially southern foods. Um, their number one is Brunswick stew. Now, I do love a good Brunswick stew. Mm-hmm. Now, Brunswick stew is the flagship Southern community stew made by a bunch of people adding things to the pot and poking around in it intended to serve a crowd. It can be made on a stove, but it is best suited to the outdoors, you know, where smoke <laughs> gets in our eyes. It's the kind of stew that lifelong buddies make at the hunt camp or around a pit, timing the steps by the number of beers they've had and the number of times they've laughed so hard they could hardly breathe, right? (laughs) It's the type of small town stone soup that is sold at fundraisers for the VFW, the marching band, right, headed to the big parade, and the building fund for the church that hasn't changed so much as a doorknob in decades, right? (laughs) And we, as their neighbors and fellow citizens, we buy it and we buy into it. Oh, yes. My husband would tell you, my husband Earl would tell you that, that Brunswick Stew is one of his Top number one favorite. Oh, it's got to be. Southern foods. Absolutely. Especially when we go to a, uh, a you know barbecue restaurant. That is mm. his side dish of choice. He will mm. always get Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Number two, according to the Bitter Southerner, is pound cake. Mm. Mm. Now, this begs the question I was thinking this morning about whether or not I've actually successfully stuck to my New Year's resolutions. Um, one of them in terms of healthy <laughs> eating. And I do typically eat healthy, but I'll tell you, I had pound cake and coffee for breakfast this morning. Uh, you know, what's, what's cheat day? It's allowed. Mm. Cheat day. It's allowed. Now, a review of community cookbooks and kitchen cupboard recipe boxes reveal that we adore a magnificent pound cake and have been baking them for longer in our culinary history. Old cookbooks praise the keeping quality of these cakes, and it's true. They will keep on the counter for about seven days, which is why many cooks once made a pound cake weekly, Mm -hmm. right? Now, a slice of pound cake travels well and requires neither frosting nor fork. 
We've all eaten a piece of pound cake with our fingers. Oh, yeah. We know that to be true. The simple and sublime pound cake is excellent alone and also an amiable companion to fruit and sauces. Now, in my first cookbook, Sunday in the South, guys, I I showcase a sour cream pound cake recipe with a pineapple compote. Mm -hmm. Just spoon this amazing pineapple fruity mixture over the top of that uh, pound cake. It's Ooh, it's heavenly. Sounds good. A slice of heaven, yeah. Number three essential southern food, chess pie. Chess pie. Chess pie. Yes. Now, if in, the be- if in the beginning there was pie, it was probably <laughs> chess pie. The main thing about chess pie is that it was a pantry pie that could be made from staples that most cooks kept on hand and that didn't cost much in time or money. It's also adaptable, meaning that if there was no vinegar on hand for the acid, there might be lemon juice or buttermilk. If there were nuts, you could have pecan or black walnut or peanut pie. If there was chocolate, then in it went, right? Mm-hmm. Pie is as pie does. <laughs> That's going to be my new mantra. Pie is as pie, pie does. Is as pie does. <laughs> now, chess pie is insanely sweet. Some would say shockingly sweet in, in the way on, on that only Southerner sweets can de, can sort of deliver. It was great with a glass of sweet tea. Mm, if you need more, <laughs> more sugar. We've always had more access to sweeteners here in the South than much of the rest of the country. And after all, we raise sugar cane. And sorghum cane. Mm-hmm. And we also keep bees here. So we have, we have honey, true. right? How about that? Chess like pie. sweet down in the South. What can yes. you say? Matches our sweet disposition. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> now, number four. How about this? An essential Southern food. Field peas and chow chow. I love both oh, of these. Yes. I love it. Now, field peas, folks, have flourished in the South for over 300 years. And Southern farmers markets are brimming with them. Uh, Yet fresh seasonal field peas are too rare on many contemporary southern tables and practically unheard of elsewhere in the country. Now, the term field pea reveals their original role in the South, where for generations they were grown in the rice and corn fields to add valuable nitrogen back into the soil. Field peas were so common and plentiful that there was no need to tend them in the kitchen garden, right? (laughs) The plants are undaunted by hot, dry, poor soil uh, that would wither many other crops, right? So this is, uh, I have to tell you, it is, uh, they're a hardy, a very hardy pea. Easy to grow. And I love them. I love them. (laughs) And then served with a little chow chow, too. Mm -hmm. Now, for many families, a jar of chow chow is a staple whenever peas or beans are served. It has bold flavors and kind of a crunchy texture. Uh, chow chow, sure, you know, it perks up a humble meal, mm-hmm. shall we say. I, I love mine. Um, one of the defining flavors of Southern cuisine is vinegar, and this is often delivered in a tangy, judiciously spiced and kind of yeah. slightly sweetened pickled vegetable dishes. Hence yeah. the chow chow came into being. Love it. Oh, yes. Mm-mm-mm. That's great. How about number five? Essential Southern food, country ham and red eye gravy. Oh, Oh, yes. Come to me. Come to me. Oh. Now, country ham is the South's most noble contribution to charcuterie. <laughs> it's on par with, if not superior to, the finest hams in the world. And thank goodness we can still find them around here. One of the traits of traditional authentic Southern cooking is that uh, meat, usually pork, was a condiment or seasoning other than on special occasions. Mm-hmm. If you killed only a hog or two each year, right, that meat had to last. And a properly cured country ham will keep right on and on, right? Old recipes for cooking a whole ham started with instructions on how to scrub any dust or mold off the surface, (laughs) if you can imagine that. Precious hams had to go a long way as well. Other than perhaps on Christmas or at a wedding of a beloved child, Folks didn't serve a whole country ham all at once. They doled it out in biscuit cuts and paper-thin slices. And then there's the salt. 
Now, repentant people have wryly noted that there isn't enough water or whiskey in the world <laughs> to quench the thirst of a person who has eaten too much country ham at one sitting, right? Okay, now then there's the uh, the red-eye gravy. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> now, we'll never know who or where or why the first pan of red-eye gravy came to be, but there's a theory. And uh, I don't think that a cook set out there to make gravy. Instead, I think he or she was simply trying to clean out the skillet after breakfast one morning. <laughs> now, fried country ham leaves behind quite a bit of sticky, salty, tasty residue. Oh, yeah. Dragging a biscuit through that good stuff would rip it up, leaving a tattered trail, right? However, good a good cook know that deglazing a skillet liberates those enjoyable little dried mm. bits. And what liquid might be sitting around after breakfast? Coffee. Oh, yeah. So that's that's how red-eye gravy came to be. That's, I'm so right? glad it is, though. That's Waste good. not, want not. Oh, good, good, folks, good. I want myself some country ham and red-eye <laughs> gravy right now. I love talking some uh, southern food, I oh, tell you. Yes. It is. I mean, this is going to be a great thing for cold weather, I think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And gravy. Well, guys, we'll be right back in a few minutes with our southern narrative. Southern Sisters Radio Show. Now, with your Southern narrative, sharing stories from around the South, here is your host, Jenny McCormick Earhart. The Geographical Lines of Friendship by Meredith Fry. I remember the first time I saw her, standing there on that unfinished porch attached to a house no one in town could describe, except to say it was black. Literally black. Singed wood a Japanese method of preserving wood rather than painting it. Waverly, Alabama had never seen the likes of this house, and seeing as how we were new to Waverly, we had never seen the likes of her. My sister-in-law said she looked like an anthropology model cascading off her steps, cool, thin, and billowing in her floppy hat and linen pants. We were all headed to a 4th of July celebration at the Standard Deluxe, within walking distance from our homes. She waved and then ran down to greet me. I'm Christy. I had your pie the other night. I hope you don't mind, but the Sims ate a little and then passed it on to us. I'll get your dish back to you soon. That crust reminded me of my grandmother's. I didn't know this woman, but she could have fooled me. I would have thought from her flat, simply American accent that she could be from anywhere. Her charm and grace led me to believe she was from here, but I already knew different. A few neighbors had described her briefly. She's with Taylor, who is 15 years younger, and she's from New Jersey. For some, it might as well have been a red letter tattooed across her forehead, although I suspected in this case it would have been a Y. A few months later, another neighbor said, regarding Christie's move south, You know what we say around here? Once the Yankees get here, you can't dynamite them out. I laughed. Didn't I know? I had fought so hard to get back to the South for so long. Finally, my husband, our three boys, and I just recently succeeded. And now my new friend and neighbor was from up north. I wondered what she thought about the butter down here. How it melted so fast that you could take it out of the refrigerator and spread it on toast in five minutes flat. Or how the milk cartons swell like a retired man's belly. Or how it's hard to tell the difference between someone driving up your gravel road and thinking you have a pot boiling over. They sound exactly the same. These were things I had grown away from once, but was soon remembering again, now that we were back. 
only to wonder how I'd ever forgotten them in the first place. For a while, I wondered what I would have in common with a New Jersey woman who was two years younger than my own mother. The woman was also a mother, with a 14-year-old in boarding school back up north and two sons in their 20s. She was nearing the end of a long, drawn-out divorce and was busy building a house with her boyfriend, and she was trying to write. But it wasn't long before she and Taylor were corralled around our table, me making nothing into something from our humble kitchen. She just received word of some troubling news and needed a drink. The four of us shared wine long after my children were tucked in, and she cried at my kitchen table about 9-11 and a soon-to-be ex-husband and children tucked in long way from here, and she cried about life. She was warm and sensitive, and by golly, she writes. We were destined to become good friends. Over the coming months, I longed to share time with her. She was a comfortable spot on my map that for a while had seemed blank and unsteady. We were back home, per se, but home ten years later, and home where everything's already comfortably familiar and yet different. I knew I was going to need her if we were going to stay, and come hell or high water, I started to hope and pray she planned on staying too. Our friendship blossomed into long talks about old loves and lives we felt we had lived ages ago, and children. We talked about children. She had been married to a traveling banker, and I am married to a pilot. Both of us had seen our share of single parenting. She was now on the cusp of truly being a single parent, a role I'm not sure she would have chosen had she known the plight. But alas, it had led her here, to my living room, in Waverly, with a hot cup of tea and a need to revisit past memories. I never wished she were younger or that we had more in common. Already I felt like God placed her here, and me here, and us as friends for so many reasons. She became such a beacon in my little world. I missed her when she traveled back up north to see family and felt slightly uncomfortable on nights when she couldn't see the lights in my windows. When either of us were away for any length of time, we would meet for tea, wrap our arms around each other and exclaim, I missed you. She took over an aging neighbor's garden, providing him with bounty. She helped him keep the soil producing beauty each season, despite his own inability to carry on with such an abundant landscape. Tirelessly, she would show up for a chat, dirt under her fingernails, paint stained with Alabama red clay, and always a hat. Yes, always a hat. I grew to understand her marriage and eventually what lacked in it. I grew to understand the culture in which her children had been raised and how she struggled sometimes to parent her teenager from the far southern side of the Mason-Dixon line. I watched her selflessly set aside her own biases and her own needs as she gave in to family members who needed her more. I watched her poised fearlessly, arms stretched out gracefully, pants dirty from the day's work, a far cry from her old New Jersey wardrobe, I suspected. I watched her love big, really big, and that made me love her even more. A few weeks ago, I drove her to Memphis to see an ocular oncologist, the C word, cancer, presenting itself in her eyes of all places. She would undergo surgery to attach a radioactive disc, and she would lose her vision in one eye. She took the news right there, right in front of me, a person who has been witness to many of her tears. But she didn't cry, not in the doctor's chair anyway. 
She joked about staying out of the Chuck E. Cheese and that we might have a pirate party for Halloween. When she showed me the image of the melanoma, it strangely resembled the shape of a heart. It was her revelation, not mine, noting she had always seen through her own heart anyway. I'm not worried about that going away. Her ability to see love and everything around her isn't a character trait she's letting go of anytime soon. I'm not even worried about her livelihood or how she approaches the day-to-day meaning of her world, once grand and big city, but now small and dirty and southern. I know she never wavers. She is billowy and beautiful. And now more than ever, she will need that. The geographical lines of friendship are non-existent now. The idea that I could judge her understanding of this world I know so well and fought so hard to get back to isn't appropriate in this day and age. There is too much fluidity now to expect that we could have things in common only with those who grew up similarly or lived in a certain region of this earth. I threw that notion out not long after I met her. I don't know how long she will stay here. I don't know if any of us ever knows how long we will put our roots down, how far they will grow into the red clay, and how difficult it will be to pull ourselves out. But there is something this dirt does to you. It leaves its mark on its inhabitants, the keepers of its gardens, and it turns neighbors into friends. I hope no one shows up with dynamite. Well, that's about to wrap it up for the Southern Sisters radio program. It is sure a privilege to be here every week and, you know, pontificate about all things Southern, <laughs> right? It's a privilege to be over here and uh, produce the show with you, Jenny. This is well, a Well, thank you. I can't think of a better thing to talk about with my Southern Sisters and the men who adore them than <laughs> food, right? Uh, Culture, life in the South, right? Those every, are all one and the same, aren't they? They are. They are. <laughs> and I have to tell you, I always say these things that we talk about, we just, we do them with such style and grace here in the South, mm, you know? So true. Every day we have to get up and put one foot in front of the other. And um, I just think that we do it especially well here oh, in the yes, South. Absolutely. I just enjoyed everything we talked about today. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of thinking that it, really a great way to close out the show today would be to give away a cookbook. There you go. Right? Absolutely. That is free. A completely free cookbook, a complete giveaway. Yes. Right? And I'll tell you what I can do. I can actually sign and personalize this book to whoever happens to email me, right? It's even better than if you buy it. You know what? I'm feeling wild and crazy today. Maybe it's this cold weather. Um, How about we give away two? Oh, two cookbooks. Two cookbooks. So how can I win a free cookbook? Gracious sakes alive. All you have to do is email me, folks. Email me at radio at southernsistershome.com. Tell me you love the show. <laughs> That's all you have to do. Well, oh, don't have to lie about oh, that no, one. No, they don't have to no, lie. No, no, no. No, And we will send one out to you. My trusty assistant, Jeanette, is in my office, and she loves to do these and send cookbooks to our listeners. So you need to bring her in she's for awesome. a show. Yeah. Is she radio shy? She No, no. She's fabulous. Well, you know, I love her. You need to bring her in one time. Yeah, have she's amazing. It, she's been with me through thick and thin, and she helps She helps keeping, keep my business running smoothly. Hey, she really does. Go. She's back at the home office. You know, we have a southern linen business, so our southern uh, sister's linens are sold in gift and boutique stores all over the South. Gorgeous pillows and things like that. And, you know, we always offer a special savings to our Southern Sisters listeners. Oh, yes. Yes, it's an extra special savings. If you go to our website, southernsistershome.com, if you go shopping there, everything on the site is 30% off with promo code, wait for it, 
Sisters. Yes. Mm-hmm. Promo code SISTERS. SISTERS plural. You get yes. that inside scoop 30% yeah. off. That's an awesome deal it's on a good all deal. the good stuff you got it's on there. It's a great deal. It yeah. is. But the first two listeners that want to email me at radio at southernsistershome.com, we will send you a cookbook. Mm. How about a copy of my latest book, Seasons in the South? There you go. Yeah. Talk Absolutely. about seasons. We've been through it this past week, haven't <laughs> yeah, we? Yeah, but I say we've had all four of them oh, this yeah, last week. Haven't we, though? The winter <laughs> chapter is especially wonderful, and it contains, guess what's in there? Poppy seed casserole. Oh, we talk yeah. We talked about that on the air. We did. <laughs> well, folks, it is so great that you join us every week. We just love that you listen to us and tuning into the Southern Sisters radio program. You go out and make it a fabulous week. Thank you for joining us here at Southern Sisters Radio. If you have questions for Jenny, want more information about something you heard on today's show, or want to enter any of the Southern Sisters contests, visit southernsistershome.com. And remember to connect with Jenny on Facebook at Southern Sisters Home with Jenny McCormick Earhart.